Good morning, everybody. First things first. Hey, if these are your keys, I have them. Okay. Safe hands, safe hands. Hey, good morning, everyone. If you're new to church or you're joining us online and I've never met you, my name's Luke. It's a privilege to share a message with you today. I'm not calling this a sermon because it's not a traditional sermon. Why is it not a sermon? What is different about this Sunday? Well, we're pausing our James series all right, we're pausing, we're stepping out of our sermon series, we're working through the book of James, and I have, if you didn't know, been away in the UK for two weeks, part of our church's um, family, our wider family is called Advance, um, a global movement of planting churches, and we had, a two, uh, we had a conference with preaching on either side and a strengthening time, and I've been there, and I wanted to bring something back from there into this Sunday, and so um, it's more of a leadership message than a kind of sermon, I, 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 I actually had a, a Bible text that I was going to be Uh, working from, and I realized, actually, I'm taking a message and squeezing it into this Bible text, and it's just, I don't like doing that at all. So really, can we just be a little bit messy today and do something totally different? Is that that all right? So all the pressure's off, right? I want to bring us back something from this uh, conference time together in the UK. It's going to be messy, but you try and condense four days of conference into 30 Three minutes. Who am I trying to kid? 35 minutes on a Sunday morning. Okay, uh, so let's give us a little bit of context for where we're at. Common Ground is a local, Common Ground South Penn is a local independent church that is part of a family of churches called Advance. Okay, we also are interdependent in that we're linked into other Common Ground churches, but we're part of a family called Advance. Now, um, what I want to do in this message is I want to give us a little bit of background of Advance. I want to bring something to us from the conference, and so really I've entitled this message, Advance, Our Movement in This Moment. Okay, Our, mo- our Movement in This Moment. So who is Advance? Advance is a group of churches partnering together around shared doctrine and values, around a shared mission to reach the world with the gospel, uh, around um, genuine relationships, and organized around suitably gifted leadership. Okay, that's the background there. What's the idea behind advice though? What's the heart? But uh, the book of Acts took about 30 years to take place in history. If, you, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, all that we read there, about 30 years. And a, a group of people uh, began thinking a while back, what if God could do something again in our generation like what he did there? Every generation needs their own book of Acts story because every generation needs to be evangelized. We have the same God. We have the same commission to, to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us to do. We have the same Holy Spirit empowering us, except more than that, we've got 2,000 years of church history. We've got the biblical canon that they never had in the book of Acts, and we've got immense technology resources at our disposal. What if God could do in the next 30 years something like what he did in the book of Acts in our generation? And so it was this idea of let's do it again and see it done in our generation that gave birth to Advance, our family of churches. Advance is about two things. Planting and strengthening churches. We plant and we strengthen churches together. We're led by a global leadership team. It was eight, it's now six. And I'll tell you what happened to two, how we went from eight to six in the last three years as well. Uh, However, the, the main leadership of Advance is happening as each continent is broken up into hubs. We, as Common Ground South Penn, form part of the Western Cape Hub. Um... 
And, uh, and we're about 20-odd uh, churches in the Western Cape. Uh, there's, there's an Eastern Cape hub. There's a Gauteng hub. There's an Africa hub. There's hubs in England and the UK. There's hubs in the West of America. There's, you get the idea, right? And, um, and so we're gathered around those things. Now, I remember 10, 11 years ago. In fact, I remember it to the day because um, it was the day my daughter Bethany was born. I remember sitting in a meeting at that stage, uh, Common Ground, God First in Joburg, and um, a church called New Gen in Somerset West were a part of Advance. And they were in uh, a jubilee as well, sorry, there were four. Um, and uh, they were inviting uh, the first church kind of stepping into the movement was a church in East London called Everyday People, where I was an elder with my friend Arno Debrain, who's been preaching with us. I remember sitting there and PJ speaking to us over lunch. Um, I had to race out 35 minutes to be at this meeting, um, was there, and uh, kind of said, yes, we're into advance, and then had to really race back straight to the hospital where 25 minutes later my daughter Bethany was born. Okay, so, so I remember this day to the day. I remember when Advance was four churches about 11 years ago almost, soon to be 11 years ago on the 26th of August. Um, and then our first conference, I remember 40 churches. And then a few, a few years ago, I remember there being like about 70, 80 around the world gathered. This gathering I went to in uh, the UK now, 180 churches across the world partnering in to this advanced movement. It's extraordinary, shared doctrine, shared mission, shared partnership um, and values. It's extraordinary. Now, one of the things that ties us together is every two years, all the lead couples from all the advanced churches across the globe gather together in one place for this conference. It's a three-day conference plus one day to strengthen hub leaders. And, um, and then, obviously, you've got all these leaders coming in from across the world get to strengthen the region where it's just been in the UK. And so I was invited, advi- invited to preach in a local church called Redeemer Plymouth Church. That's where I was this past Sunday and the previous Sunday. They're a church similar in size to us. They were meeting in a school hall during COVID, and then COVID came along, and they could no longer meet in the school hall, and they were asked, it's just like our story, you know, no, no ill will, just it happened, you know, and, um, and, and then find themselves in a smaller venue, and then uh, had to go to two meetings, uh, very similar to us, except, except uh, they, they had a group of people traveling 10 minutes away who were meeting in their life group, about 15 of them that have now become close to 50. And uh, during COVID, they went from one congregation to three and have now got a vision for another two in the next few years. So God has just done this most amazing thing. I stayed with a couple named Andrew and Fatima. Andrew heads up something called Theology Matters. Um, brilliant, uh, brilliant, incredibly sharp uh, theological guy. And he spearheads their preaching team. So, I mean, we just got to talk preaching for like days on end. It was glorious. And, um, and how we do it in different contexts with other churches, Anyway, a little bit of um, a little bit of what I was doing there. We really got to share our story as common ground. We went from one church to eleven um, in eleven years, and how we did our preaching, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and what we learned in partnering together, and to put some wind in their sails as well. So that's where I was church-wise. Then on to the global conference, uh, where there were leader- various leadership moments, times of worship, times of prayer for each continent, um, times of feedback as well. I'm going to share with you a video of feedback from one of our partnering churches in the Ukraine toward the end of this message to see what God's been doing there through this crisis. And you'll get an idea of the kind of uh, meetings and what was happening. But the guest speaker of the conference 
once was Andrew Wilson. Um, and maybe we can just put a picture up of... Uh, 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 so, so that's Redeemer Plymouth, sorry, that's Suze, and she's married to Grant, they lead the, uh, the church there. That's Simon, he's another one of their elders. We can flick the next picture there, sorry Angie. Uh, 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 there we are, that's about to preach there in these beautiful sort of ancient buildings um, that they're meeting in there. Uh, that's Andrew Larkin there, Mary, married to Fatima from um, Harare, not Bulawayo, sorry. Anyway, there we are. Um, uh, and next one there, that was on my birthday. I mean, here's the, here's the secret thing here. So if I have a man crush on anybody, it's this guy over here, right? Andrew Wilson, he is just a genius. And uh, I mean, so, so much so that uh, this photograph was cropped on our church leaders group, and these guys were cut out, and then it was <laughs> how, how Luke really sees this photograph. That was Don. Uh, anyway, uh, he's brilliant. He, if you've done our theology course, obviously you're familiar with who Andrew is, but we got to spend, I got to spend my birthday with him talking through some things. It was just amazing. There were about 300 of us in the room, and the times were powerful. Now, I'm not going to tell you everything that was shared at the conference. I'm going to take bits and pieces. I found a skeleton that I think will work into a leadership message, and I'm going to try and um, bring us up to speed with where we are at as a movement. Um, I'm taking the message skeleton from the opening address that Rigby gave at the conference. By the way, Rigby is going to be with us next week, Sunday, preaching. He's going to be with us as leaders and uh, strengthening us during the week as well. So lots to look forward to next week. Rigby's message to launch and open the conference about where we're at, and he's talking about the two frontiers of the gospel. I want you to listen wearing two hats today. That's why I'm wearing my hat. That and because they confiscated my hair gel getting onto the airplane. Um, and you know me, I'm just not the guy to run out and buy hair gel first on my list. Um, anyway, uh, two hats. The first hat, hey, this is our movement. This is our family of churches. This is what we're a part of. What does that mean for my life? And the second one is, what could God be saying to me personally in light of this message? So there's two hats. One, our wider story is Common Ground South Penn and our movement. And the second one is, God, what could you be stirring in my heart through this message? The two frontiers of the gospel. You ready to jump in? Okay, what are the two frontiers of the gospel? The innermost parts of our hearts and the outermost parts of the world. The gospel needs to come and take root and bear fruit in the innermost parts of our heart and the outermost parts of our world. In our church context, it's gospel culture in us as a church and it's mission to transform our community. Gospel culture in us as a church and mission to transform our community. So let's talk the innermost parts of our hearts. The gospel transforming the innermost parts of our hearts and our gospel culture culture as a church. Although we've seen incredible growth as a movement of churches advance since our inception, in the last three years we've suffered two massive hits as well. Two of our most senior and founder leaders have been stepped down from leadership because of leadership failures in their lives. Not kind of sexual sin like we often associate sadly with church leaders, not that. These are just leadership uh, qualities that make it just impossible for them to continue in their role as leaders within ministry because of the massively high bar that um, church leadership carries. These are both incredibly complex situations. And they're painful for both the leaders involved who are working through this and finding Jesus and working towards wholeness in this thing as well, as well as the churches whom they were part of as well. So firstly, PJ Smythe, PJ who preached with us on Christmas Day uh, about six or so years ago in our church hall, if you remember, I'm not church hall, in the Sun Valley School Hall. 
Um, PJ was stepped down after an external investigation was conducted, a report which took months to be written. It's 65 pages long. If you want to read it, it's on the advanced website. We're not hiding anything. PJ was stepped down after some disqualifying criteria in terms of ministry leadership style was found. If you want to know more, it's on the website. It's incredibly complex. PJ himself in this process revealed some deep trauma from his past as well as some disqualifying character traits in his present. And these things are all interwoven and it's very tricky. And so please be in prayer for PJ Ash and their family, as well as the church they were a part of, Monument uh, Church. But, but, but for us as a church here, to pray for PJ, pray for Monument Church in Washington, D.C. But that was our movement leader. Um, who was stepped down because of some uh, leadership uh, failures, really. And then closer to home, it's common ground, the church that we, clo- we partner closest to more than anyone else uh, in the city of Cape Town is Jubilee. Um, Jubilee um, in, in Observatory and the city, the city Bowl. They stepped down their team leader because of some disqualifying leadership patterns as well. Currently, Steve is, Steve and Anna van Rijn, if you know them, um, Currently, Steve has now taken membership in our Rondebosch Common Ground Church as he's busy being restored towards being fruitful again in ministry. And we're trusting God for the health of them and their family, as well as Jubilee starting to really emerge again as the big-hitting power partner in church that they are to us. And so we've taken some big hits. Yes, it's been amazing. Four churches, 180, amazing, but... The innermost parts of our heart, too. What it's meant is that as a movement of churches, we've been forced in this moment to take a massively hard and tough look at ourselves and ask some really hard questions. I know that every human being, you know and I know, no human being is perfect. We all need to know that, I mean, we all know that we've all carry things, but how is it that at the highest level of leadership in our movement, these things lay there so long and they were undetected? They really did come as a bit of a shock. Whoa, where did this come from? And so we are asking the hard questions. That's what this conference has been about and this gathering's been about. It's been working out, guys, how is it that this happened within our movement? Were we blinded by our success to these things that were lurking there because there's been so much life. It's amazing how success has a power to blind you to these things that lurk in there, but they don't go away. And what can we learn from and and help us grow as a movement to become stronger and healthier? That's what this has been about. The theme of the conference, I'll mention it again in a second, but is humbly onward. It's time to get on with the mission, but we're doing so with a little bit of a limp because we've got some stuff to learn here. Gordon MacDonald gives a story in one of his books. It's the illustration of the, 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 the construction of the Brooklyn Bridge. For 13 years, they built the Brooklyn Bridge, but for the first three years, you could see nothing above the surface. All the building was below the surface. And the engineers will tell you that the most important work that was done on the Brooklyn Bridge was that work that was done below the surface on the foundations. This is where we need to be grappling. It's the gospel coming to the innermost parts of our hearts as leaders, as eldership teams, as eldership and deacon teams, and us as congregation members as we get this character stuff right. Rigby's challenge to us was to rethink the first frontier of the gospel, our own hearts as leaders and Christ followers. And he spoke to us prophetically. Now, disconnecting from Steve and PJ, I don't want you to think all these things I'm about to say are about them. Not, this is more warnings for us as a church movement. He spoke to us prophetically, and these were some of the things he said to us. He said, I believe God would be saying to us, God is arresting in us a drift away from humility toward pride. 
Again, we're listening through, this is a movement, but this is my heart as well. God is arresting in us a drift away from humility toward pride. Said differently, from leadership as sacrificial love to leadership entitlement. There's not a single ministry character failure that didn't first start with a subtle drift away from humility and sacrificial love toward pride and entitlement. Now, this is where I wanted to weave in the story, and so I'm going to paraphrase the story a little bit, but uh, Rick pointed us to the story of David coming to Nabal, and David comes to Nabal, and, he, and, and, and in, in the history, David had protected Nabal when there was a threat on them, and so David comes back to him, circles back, and he says, hey, hey man, we protected you. Can, you, can you give us some provisions, can you give us some stuff? And Nabal was, a, I mean, a really kind of like insolent, arrogant man. And he, he said, no, 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 you're not having anything. You took a little bit of offense. Sorry, did we lose a bit of volume there? Um, hello. He took a bit of offense. Let's put, no, maybe it was just in my head. Um, uh, David took a, uh, uh, Nabal uh, was insulting, David took offense, and so David got all up and, and angry, um, and, uh, and David said, well, I'm going to send my men, and we're going to come, and we're going we're gonna to literally take all of your lives, and we will take what we want from you. The idea being that long before David took another man's wife in Bathsheba, because he felt entitled, long before David didn't go to war when all the other kings went to war, because he felt entitled to just sit and rest while everyone else fought. David felt entitled to, when he was insulted, take what he wanted from someone else's things. This idea of entitlement that crept into his heart. Entitlement is the belief that, that, we are, that, that, that a person, I, am inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. Or somehow that the rules that apply to generally everyone don't apply to myself. When that happens, leadership is no longer about sacrificial love for God's people. It's about what I can get out of it, what's in it for me, what this is doing for me. We live in a culture of celebrity leadership that is just toxic. It's characterized by always thinking, I'm the exception. I'm the special one. The rules don't apply. I know this is generally what should be done, but I can do things differently because I'm, I don't know, special. The theme of the conference was humbly onwards. There are no shortcuts. We need to remember what's most important. We need to build well in the small things. Uh, this is a massive part about what we believe. It's impossible to be a Christ-centered leader and person and yet still live entitled. The second thing that Rigby challenged us around was that God is arresting the drift away from accountability towards being self-seeking. In the same story, it's interesting, David, uh, David goes and he's about to make war and Abigail, Nabal's wife, comes and she, she, she gathers a whole bunch of gifts and she brings them to David and she, she brings them to David. She, says, she doesn't even tell her husband, she comes straight to David and says, David, I, know, I heard what you're about to do, but here's all these gifts, let me tell you why you mustn't do this. And, and, and David ends up listening to her and it's Abigail's counsel, the wife of the man who, who David was about to take out all, all, of, all, of his, uh, all of his people. Nabal's wife comes to David and stops him. The question, though, is why would none of David's men come to him and say, David, you're about to do this terrible thing? Why was there no one close enough to David to say, my mate, how can we do this wicked thing? It's totally unacceptable. This is not what God is all about. Where were all of David's mates? Why is it that no one could be close to him to speak to him and say, wait a second, this is not Right, Scott Marks was with us, um, with a group of young leaders from Advance uh, about, I don't know, four, five months, six, 
10 months ago. Time goes, eh? <laughs> Scott Marks leads a, 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 a sister movement of churches, brother-sister movement um, to advance, part of the same family, wider family, new, new Frontiers. He was with our young leaders, and he said, it's interesting that if you trace church leaders and politicians, that it seems these two are unique in our society and that the more, the higher leadership you, you, you attain or you, know, you, you get to and the, the more responsibility you carry, the less accountability there seems to be. And he just said, guys, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. It cannot be like this. And so, so how does, how, what do you do in a culture like that? You need to invite accountability in. It's not imposed. Imposed accountability is, oh, no one likes that. It's stifling. It's terrible. It feels controlling. But invited accountability, that's what we need to give ourselves to, both at a church level and as individuals. Remember, we're listening through two hits, two hats. Who is your invited accountability in your life? Who, who sits you down from time to time and says, my mate, what are you doing? I, know, I heard you say this the other day. I heard this kind of thinking creeping into your heart. Hey, these, are, these, are the, these are the critical, these are the things you've said to me is what you want your life to be about. How are you doing in these things? Who's having these conversations with you? We need external voices in our lives. We need them invited. We need to give them permission to ask us the tough questions. And we need to see these things not as threats to our leadership, but as incredible gifts to who we are. I want you to know that's what we're doing as a church. It's why Arno comes in and spends a week with us. It's why Rigby's coming in and he's with us on Thursday night. He's with us on Saturday. He's with us on Sunday. He's coming in and he's asking tough questions of Lauren and I, of our leadership team as well. And he's going to be with us on a Sunday, kind of checking our pulse. I want you to know that I trust these men and there's going to be others too. You remember Greg Heasley who preached with us about um, six weeks ago and before that, I mean, Andrew Haslam a month ago, a little bit further away. He's in London. Heasley in P.E. These are, these are men who I trust with my life. If you start to notice that something is funky in our church, hey, whoa, whoa the church believes this, but geez, doctrinally, we look like we're going here. Or, and you bring it to us as elders and leaders, and we don't listen. I want you to know you have every right to go to these other trusted voices. I don't find that insulting. I don't find that threatening. I'm not insecure about that in any way. We, we need those kinds of safeguards in place as a church so that we don't end up drifting off into some kind of funk that can happen out there. This is how we want to build. And so I flag to you, Arno. Uh, I flag to you, Rigby. Um, and, and, and there'll probably be others within the Common Ground family as well closer. Anyway, third thing Rigby challenged us around is this. God is arresting the drift from long obedience to short-termism. The modern world is characterized so much so by instant gratification, and so too our leadership. Carl Truman, who wrote um, the book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, he just recently wrote an article. In this article, he, he, he alluded to the building of the, the Cathedral of Cologne, We've got a picture there, Angie, we can bang up the Cathedral of Cologne. It's extraordinary. If you've seen it, it's breathtakingly beautiful. Here's the interesting thing about the building of this cathedral. It started in 1248, and it was not completed until 1880. Now, yes, there were some wars, and Europe was ravaged by those different things in medieval times. But aside from the wars, given the tools that they had and the scale of the building, it meant that the original architect, as well as the original stonemasons, would never possibly, even in their dreams, have lived to have seen the building completed that they were starting. 
They, would, they knew when they started that they were going to work on this thing their entire lives. It was going to consume their life, and they were going to never even see the fruit of it. They were never going to stand and worship in the cathedral. They were never going to walk through the doors and see the magnificent windows built. They were never going to enjoy any of those things, yet they still considered the task worthwhile. They gave their lives to constructing something that they themselves would never live to enjoy. Just think of how foreign that is to our world now. We, we live, we, it's almost incomprehensible to us today that I, that I wouldn't be able to have the fulfillment of my work in my life and enjoy its fruits, you know? That unless I get my sense of achievement, I, I'm not really interested. So Truman answers the question in this article as to why this is so. I'll read you a rather long quote, but follow along with me. He says, the answer is that men and women of the, eight, of the 13th century saw themselves and the world they inhabited as embedded in something much bigger. A cosmos that was himself, that was itself embedded in God, and therefore had a meaning that transcended both the raw material from which it was made and the present moment of its existence. Thus, they built things like Cologne Cathedral because they knew the world was not about them and that they had obligations not simply to their own day and generation, but to generations to come that they could build fast enough to see the final fruit of their labor was of little account to them. They were building for future generations that they might have a glorious building in which to praise their God. He goes on to say that the, that medieval, medieval mentality whereby the individual found significance and purpose precisely in seeing themselves not as the center of the universe, but as part of the larger whole with the responsibility to future generations is something that should animate us as Christ followers today. What if we began to live to be a part of something? With, what if we began to invest our lives in such a way that it wasn't about just what we could see now? What if we began to sow? What if we began to parent? What if we began to spend our time towards something that would outlive us in such a way that it wasn't about us or even our contribution, but we were setting up something that would transcend our generation. What if, what could God begin to do in us as Christ followers and in us as leaders if this is, if this is how we began to live? It's a radical thought. Second frontier of the gospel, just so you know, much shorter the second point, okay? Um, the second frontier... For us as a movement, is, is reaching out. It's the, the outer parts of the world. For us as a church, it's reaching outward to our community as well. But I think it's broader than that as well. It's our call to living our faith outward into our community, to reaching the lost and to loving the least in our communities. It's important to note that, that Jesus spoke the words, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, long before the church was born. Matthew 28, to go and make disciples of all nations. Right? It was the great commission towards mission that gave birth to the church. And so it's not so much that the church has been given a mission as much as the mission has been given a church. We're as a church. We exist in this moment. God has not taken us to heaven. We did not hold you under when we baptized you for long enough to go straight to heaven. Why? Why? Because, because, why? Not, because, because of mission. To reach others. That's why. 
Whilst it's true that as a movement, we need to learn some lessons, and we are. We are doing, there, there's a fund that's been started toward emotional health, all sorts of things that come out of this conference that, that are going to help us dive deep to build healthier lives as leaders. But we can't stay there. We can't stay there just in learning the lessons. We need to remember who we are to get back on the mission of planting and strengthening churches. This has to continue. As a movement, we're not defined by our leaders. We're defined by our mission. As much as we love our leaders, it's our mission that we partner together around and that we follow, which is why we need to give ourselves to planting and strengthening churches. It was part of the conference was this reminder of who we are and what we're about and to get on with the work of what God is doing, reminding us that we're called to be communities of mission in an age of self-preservation. And it's not going to be easy. It's not like we're going to come out of COVID now and everything's going to be easy. Uh, COVID's been hard. Don't get me wrong. It's been hard. There were some proper war stories when we gathered there and listened to one another in our different church context. COVID has been hard. We've been affected, obviously, as a church, but, but man, some others have taken some really, really big hits. But, but the danger is that we think, oh, COVID's gone. Now, we, now it's going to be easier again. It's not. It's always. When, when we're doing mission, when we as a church exist to reach our community, we're going against the grain of our world. When we're trying to evangelize the lost, when we're trying to, trying to do justice in, in our community, we're going against the grain of selfishness, against, against the grain of the world. And so it's going to be tough. But this is what we're called to do. Jesus called us to mission. I was so profoundly challenged by a feedback clip from a Ukrainian pastor that I want to share with you. It's an 11-minute clip, so we're going to chop it to three minutes. Uh, If you're almost, uh, Angie, I'm giving you a heads up, from 3.55 in the clip we're going to watch. But this is some feedback that he's he's part of our wider family of New Frontiers. And his feeding back as to what God has been doing through the fund that we, as a family of been churches, have been sowing in to what God has been doing there. And I want you to see, I mean, they are war-torn. It is carnage. COVID is big here, don't get me wrong, the last two years. But what's going on in Ukraine is just another world. But I want you to look at what this church has done and is doing. And I want you to look at how they think about their lives and how they think about their time on earth. I was so profoundly challenged as I listened to this man speak. Chimney of other places, and uh, we we helped with the New Frontiers support and other churches from different nations. We helped thousands of people to be escaped. We we've been sending money for petrol, fixing cars, meeting people. We had a we, we still have a hubs on the way from east to the west. It's uh, um 1500 kilometers it's it is a distance and even you have money if you can't buy petrol and diesel you can't put money into tank so so we had a hubs where the team were looking for petrol and diesel buying and keeping like one or two tons and the cars coming with the people we've been providing food place to sleep and shower and petrol and diesel. So it was our uh, ministry for first probably months. And we helped, I don't know how many, but thousands of people fixing cars as well. And then situation changed. First wave slowed down and uh, we started to help people to be sent to the Europe, to, to be settled a bit more in the Western part. And now a new wave is coming. Lugansk and Donetsk area and Kharkiv area. It's new wave and it's a different wave. 
first way was put people with the international experience with a passport and some money. Now people going from east, it's poorest people with no money, no documents, no experience, no friends. They are people from east. And we are facing a new challenge. We need a shelter or shelters to receive people and they have nothing. In this point, we'll need everything, even clothes to provide, to, 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 to help them. And, uh, and because we have a very big, good team, pastors, preachers, uh, evangelists, all in Lviv area, in Western part, Last week, we, we've been praying and we felt God really encouraging us to start new church in Lviv. Because we are serving hundreds and thousands, it's opportunity to preach gospel, care for them. And uh, yeah, I'm sure people will meet Jesus, baptized. And I don't know for how long, but we are going to establish church, plant a church with a great team, uh, maybe it will be multi-site church. It's still on the way, but uh, seven million people left east and went to the west. So you can imagine whole churches packed, mostly with the believers from from the east. But our focus group is unbelievers we are serving to. So this week we are looking for facility for renting hall, and we have great team. And we're developing um, the idea how we'll run it, how we will place, maybe it will be different locations. So it's it's very exciting moment in this dark dark moment, dark times. We are the light, we are the soul. We believe it's not like we feel ourselves sometimes, but we know it's who we are. So we made decision, guys, that brought us here. Let's plant the church. And <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, the world is falling apart around them. People are in chaos. We don't always feel it sometimes, he says, but we know who we are. So let's plant a church. Let's preach the gospel and let's reach people for Christ. I just... I, was shaken to my core. I mean, I love where we live. I love our lives. We live in we're probably one of the most beautiful, best lifestyle parts on the planet. I know South Africa's got its difficulties. We're not naive. But, but here's a group of people who just regardless of what's going around them said, we are here, God has put us here, we are going to do everything we can to reach these people for Christ and to establish a church that would preach the gospel and reach many. We don't know how for how long, we don't know what this moment looks like, but this is what we're going to give ourselves to. And I just felt something of that for us to freshly grab a hold of that heart for us as a church. We, uh, we were part of Common Ground as a family of churches, uh, one one. One church, many congregations. Sorry, not a family of churches. One church, many congregations. Technical language. Now, we're Common Ground South Penn. Who are we going to be? Who are we going to be? 
And I want to say, the gospel has to begin to increasingly bearing fruit in every one of our lives as Christ follows, so that we are being transformed into the image of Christ. But at the same time, we need to remember who we are, that God has not just put us in this moment, in this place for, for just now and what we can get, but we're to live longer, we're to look further ahead, and our lives are not just for ourselves, and they're not just for our families, but our lives are to be spent in the gospel towards others. And, and, and I, I'm trusting that something of that vision would, would, would take root in your heart today to start to live for more than what everyone else around us is living for. That, that church I had the privilege of being with in Redeemer Plymouth, a smaller church than us before COVID as, as well, and, and just the way in which they grasp something of the gospel and not just for the leaders, but for every one of their lives to be inviting mates and to be reaching out. It was just so beautiful to see what God did. And I think for us, you know, as Common Ground South Penn, we've been on a long road of, hey, we've got to see, we were planted only less than 10 years ago. See God establish us has been a major focus. But I think we're established, you know. And then came COVID, and that was massive, still going on. And now becoming independent local churches, I want to put to us, as we are growing into who we are, part of who we are is to start to have a vision grander than just ourselves. It's, it's, it's a vision to what, see what God could do in this community and beyond through our partnering family churches of advance. And so, I want to just put to you, let's start to dream again. Let's start, to, let's start to trust God to put faith in our hearts for what God could do through our lives as, as we start to broaden who we look to and, and what we want to give our time and ourselves to into impacting in this community. Realize we are the light. We are the salt. If God is going to do something in this community, he's going to do something through believers like you and I who are filled with his spirit, who are grappling with his word, and who have given their lives and surrendered to him Sorry, guys online, who have given their lives in surrender to him to see him do things in our wider community. That's you and that's me. The two frontiers of the gospel, the innermost parts of our hearts. We need to take seriously our holiness. We need to fear sin. We need to fight that thing. And we need to invite accountability into our lives. There are no exceptions. None of us are some kind of special one. Jesus has put it to us. To, to, to build our lives in Christ-like ways and the outermost parts of the earth. We exist to reach this community and beyond, as Buzz Lightyear would say. <laughs> so I'd love to pray for us. I feel like something came in my heart while I was away before we worship. I'd love to just pray over us, almost a commissioning blessing. A commissioning toward faith to ask God to, to, to start to lift our eyes to see more things. As, as we saw these guys who, who, who kind of, while the whole world is going one track, they did something else to say, we're going to establish something here that, that, that does something different, that, that, that looks at what God's doing in the world and brings light in the midst of it. That's us in this moment, in this place. And so I can I ask us to stand if you want to go back and read the scripture from today, is 1 Samuel 25. That was what I was paraphrasing. I just didn't want to massage a sermon into something that wasn't primarily about that. And I love to pray for us. 
Let's open our hearts to Christ. God, we, we stand before you. We're so lovely to sing, holy, holy, holy. There is none beside you, Lord Jesus. Our lives have found in you the purpose of our existence. That we know that there will come a time in the future where every knee will bow, every tongue confess, and every critic of yours will be silenced. Every rival pursuit in this world will evaporate away. Every other thing that vies for our attention and priority in contrast to you, Christ, will suddenly be exposed for the kind of temporary, feeble, fleeting vanity that it is. But you, Christ, and that which is done for you will outlast it all. And so Jesus, I'll bring you our, we, we bring you our, our family of churches advanced. God, thank you that we're not on our own. Thank you, not, we're, we're not living in you know, a kind of fake splendid isolation, but we're part of a family of people who love us as a church and care for us and pray for us, partner with us and invested in us, God. I pray for us as a movement, we do, God, that you would, you would help us to learn these lessons that fundamentally because of these hardships we've gone through we would forever build and live and think differently God there would be a humility that characterizes us there would be a way of doing life a way of doing church a way of partnering together in leadership that keeps us humble and rooted in the gospel and we, we will never be blinded by success to some of the kind of fault lines in our hearts and our churches Jesus pray Lord Jesus too though that as much as we're learning lessons inwardly God we would be remembering uh, the great why is, is, is outwardly God that, that, that 4 would become 40 that would become 90 or that would become 180 it's extraordinary God we don't even know what the trajectory could be Lord Jesus but would you keep us focused on planting churches, on strengthening churches, Lord Jesus? Pray for us as South Penn, Lord. We have an incredible family legacy and history in common ground. We saw 11 churches planted in 11 years. 11 churches planted in 11 years. That is an incredibly beautiful thing, God. God, we bring you our lives. It doesn't have to, it, we, don't, we, don't, we don't know what it looks like for us, God. But we know you put something in us. You've got, you put in us a contribution to this world. You put in us the ability to, to influence and impact our community, God. We'd love to believe that there are churches in our heart to plant into the future, Lord Jesus. And so, God, we are asking you, would you take the lid off our lives? Would you take the ceiling off our lives, Lord Jesus, that we would be, begin to, to trust you for more? I pray for faith to come in our hearts, faith to look above the, the, the day-to-day, faith to look above the temporary, faith to see across across time, across our generation, across even our geography, faith to, faith to see what we could do beyond our lives, beyond our current priorities, beyond our current calendar, Lord Jesus. Would you, would you begin to stir us into a grander mission beyond ourselves, Christ? 
because we see the power of the gospel. We know the commission of the church. We carry within us the living, active, empowering Holy Spirit. We've seen it done in your word, Lord Jesus. Heck, in some degree, in common ground, we've seen it done in our own genetic and hearts, God. Would you come and do it again in us, we pray. So God, we ask you for faith to lift our eyes from this current moment of temporary things around us, God, to trust you for more. I pray for everyone here, everyone watching, faith to live beyond ourselves, God. Faith to live a grander vision for your kingdom. Would you ask God for that for your life? A grander vision for God's kingdom.